0: In the pickles. Oh, don't worry.
1: So you are sitting across from me with a Ziploc bag that has a jar of pickles on the inside of it. <laughs> um, That's correct. Why don't you explain yourself for the listeners?
0: Well, um, we have a thriving community out there, Justin. If you just if you just engage, open your heart. And open your mind a little bit, you'd see that our listeners are varied and talented people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one of them uh, has made pickles, dill pickles, which are one of the few kind of food joys of my life. Okay. Um, I actually, before ever heard about these, I was kind of trying to make it a, a point this summer to, like, learn how to make fried pickles. Because mm-hmm. that's, like, my favorite. Like, if I could make fried pickles, my life might then be complete. One of our listeners has a podcast. And on it, they started talking about what he was doing for the summer. And one of the things he was doing was making pickles. And so I just jumped on there. Um, on Twitter. On Twitter. And just shot off a message being like, I forget, you know, how, how can I get my hands on... Your like, pickles? On your pickles. I think that's exactly... That's probably verbatim yeah. how, I, how I wrote it. Um, <clears throat> and he was super nice, and he was like, I can send you... I can send you something. All right. And... Free of charge. Free of ch- I offered to pay the shipping. He was like, nope, yeah. don't worry about it. Um, and so what am I supposed to say? Right. Free pickles, which I... Love and mm-hmm. here you can speak to it. Do we have any kind of local pickle
1: well, options? I, I don't like pickles, so I would have. I would never in my life search out local pickle options. Just
0: another thing in your long list of <laughs> dislikes. Um,
1: and we should mention this is Dale from the Best of Three podcast.
0: That's right. Yeah. So and he
1: so he mailed them to you. Yeah, in a package that was so- wrapped in. Zebra print tape with um, neon hot lips all over it. Yeah, and I have to say, my my wife took a picture
0: and sent it to you yeah. and me when they arrived, and so you saw the hot lips. He messaged me and told me that he like had run out of duct tape and had to use right some duct tape from you know lying around. I think he has a daughter.
1: Yeah, and and look, there is no better possible way that. He could have packaged that. Exactly. <laughs> like exactly. That was absolutely perfect.
0: It was. It was great. And so uh, I I almost didn't want to open them because I didn't want to cut that tape, right. that beautiful tape. Right. Um, and so anyway, I opened it up and he had a home batch mm-hmm. from his own kind of seasonings. I don't know what he put in there.
1: From his personal collection.
0: Right. From and the archives. Um, exactly. And he hadn't really done it before, so he was like, "Hey, I marked mm-hmm. it.
1: Let me know what you think."
0: Yeah, he was like, "Make that the first one you eat, so everyone else is better." And I'm not like comparing it. I don't right. eat the better ones and then his and be like, "Oh." Uh, but I did eat his first. And I actually really liked it. Mm-hmm. So here's a jar I brought, and I thought.
1: So you got a couple of different jars, and they mm-hmm. all have different flavors of pickles.
0: I I don't know. Again, like I love pickles, and I've I've had it, I've tried not to like just open all the jars. So this is just only the second jar that I've opened. Um, I opened his, I opened one. This is the third jar, but the only second one from the randoms. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the difference is between those. But my wife said she thought she saw like a ghost pepper at the bottom of one. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. This one. This it looks one like looks it has garlic in it. Garlic, some peppercorns, and I should say. I am so uninterested in pickles that I had no idea that pickles were made from cucumbers. Till when? No, until they were talking about it on the podcast. <laughs> really? I'm 33 years old. I had no idea. <laughs> That's how much I don't like pickles. But the thing that is throwing me off is that cucumbers are enormous mm-hmm. and pickles are small. So how does that well, work?
0: Well, I'm pretty sure. So like here, they're, these are cut. And then Yeah, but
1: there are uncut pickles that yeah. are small.
0: Well, yeah, I think again, I'm not a pick I like pickles. I'm not a pickle expert. But I think part of it is probably like sitting in the seasoning. It might, to my mind, shrink them. Uh
1: I think you have maybe too much pickle juice in your mind because that <laughs> makes no sense to me. <laughs> it, they just get waterlogged into
0: oh, oh, there we go. Surprise. These have um Jalapenos. jalapenos. There you go. All right. So, Down Dale on the
1: hatch. Dale, I figured
0: this is the best way that I can thank you. I guess we're starting, we're saying a precedent. Yeah. I mean, if anybody else wants to mail something in.
1: Send Keith your pickles.
0: Well, not just pickles, but oh. hey, I'll uh I like cherry pie. If anybody <laughs> wants to wants to make cherry pie or uh um I don't know what else we'll keep. What else <laughs> what edible? I got a big one.
1: All right. Well, here we go. The so first uh everything is interesting taste test.
0: Of jalapeno garlic pickles from Dale. From Dale. Um But no, so so far the only other the only other two I've had were good. So this is the best way I can say thank you, I guess. <laughs> You should probably describe what I'm doing.
1: right <laughs> no, now. I'm letting it sit.
0: That's a good pickle. Okay, that's got some heat on the back end of it. Mm-hmm. Some jalapeno heat. Oh man, that's good. Mm-hmm. So, Dale, so far, there you have three it. jars for three. Yeah,
1: that's uh, that's a good pickle. Maybe we're looking at a uh, the start of a new business. I'll market it. <laughs> I'm not talking about for you. I'm talking about for Dale. Yeah, but I'll be the marketing guy.
0: Listen to what a bang-up job I'm doing right now. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: I'll just he'll sell them and I'll just be over to the side just eating them. Have you ever heard a more irresistible five seconds of pickle eating?
0: Well, I was trying to do something. You should have been <laughs> describing. You know, I was kind of making the little gun thing with my fingers and nodding. Uh-huh. But no, people could he could he could kind of be the pitch man and then people could look over at me eating the pickle. Mm. And just by me eating it, they'd be like I gotta have that. Right. Look at that guy. Yeah. He's he's loving life. Sure. Which I'm doing right now.
1: So. We both watched. Me eat a pickle. <laughs> yeah. Um, we both watched a movie called Cop Car, directed by John Watts. Have you seen the other movie he did called Clown? No. Have you heard anything about John Watts? I. Something.
0: Something made me think that at least he wrote for The Onion a, for a little bit.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I thought I remembered somebody saying, uh, directed by a guy who used to write for The Onion.
1: Right. Well, all I've seen is, is that, that true. He, I have no idea. He directed another movie called Clown, and didn't you just say he just got picked up to direct something? He he got picked up to do the Spider Man reboot. Oh yeah. So um. They get a monkey to direct that movie.
0: Right. First uh. First Google result, John Watts, Quaker songwriter. So maybe he's also a Quaker songwriter.
1: (laughs) So Cop Car is a movie that is current. It's doing the dual theater VOD release. So it's in select theaters.
0: Look, it's another one where people, again, it played at film festivals and people Mm -hmm. were like, don't know if anyone's going to get to see Cop Car. Like, where's Cop Car's distribution? And then, you know, two weeks later, Oh, well, there it is on Voodoo, yeah, in Xbox video, so yeah. Uh,
1: but it stars Kevin Bacon and uh, two kids, And the premise of the movie is just that two kids find a cop car in the woods and they decide to steal it. And it turns out that that cop car belonged to or it belongs to a dirty cop. The movie proceeds from there, more or less. Uh, but it's, I guess it's supposed to be uh, somewhat of a, you know, it's supposed to be uh, like a meditation on childhood, I guess. supposed to be exploring sort of those themes. Um, so what did you think of the movie? I watched it with Julia, and she liked it.
0: Yeah, I feel like I'm still surprised at how much I didn't like it. Like, Mm. I'm still trying to figure out why I watched this last night.
1: When we should say it's gotten a lot of really good reviews. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes, I think. I think it's one of those films you can go in and. There's enough to like about it to get you through, and then there's enough. If it just doesn't click with you, mm-hmm. there's enough that will just prevent your enjoyment of it. Like for you, you seem to have gotten blocked pretty early on with your enjoyment of the film. Is that correct? Or did you like it up well, to a point well, and then? It uh, and
1: I should I should have said this at the beginning. I, I, this is a bit of a qualifying <laughs> review for me. Do you
0: fall asleep? Because
1: I may have fallen asleep three uh. or four times. <laughs> But it was only for a couple minutes at a time. No, you and always I'm, say I'm that. I'm pretty How do you sure I did not miss it. anything significant. All right, right. quiz me.
0: Ugh. No. Okay. Off air. <laughs> All right.
1: But with that being said, none of my issues with the movie were with like the storyline. Well,
0: maybe if we talked to the movie, its issue would be that you <laughs> fell asleep during <laughs> it. So maybe the movie would have well, an maybe issue Maybe my issue is you. that
1: the movie is so boring that I fell asleep multiple times despite trying to stay awake.
0: I feel like this discounts this conversation. I All feel right, like fine.
1: Uh,
0: that's a pretty big qualifier. You're going to have I'm to saying. deal
1: with it. I just keep it. Just keep it in the back of your mind. I fell asleep. It's not a big deal. But none of my issues are with me falling asleep. Oh, I've got, really? <laughs> big surprise. They're with the bad acting and the. No. Uh, what do you mean? No, no. Kevin Bacon is bad. Uh, okay, so what did you not like about the movie? You so- just said. You're surprised at how much you didn't like it, look, so what did you not like, having been awake for every
0: <laughs> millisecond of this film um, what what i didn't like okay i don't I think you kind of touched on this, so you were awake enough to kind of pick up on. These I fell asleep for maybe two minutes <laughs>
1: at a time. I'm not letting this go. Maybe two minutes at a time. Even and, two minutes is a stretch. And maybe ten minutes at a time. No, it was no, no longer... There's no way it was longer than two no minutes. No one can verify this, so... My wife can verify it, because she kept waking me up.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably after five or ten minutes. No, I'm telling you. Okay, so... the see, <laughs> She's so, just being contrarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, So... Okay, the boys for me, and I I like this film. Okay, mm-hmm. I li- it's a qualified like,
1: but the boys to me, uh, you're already you're already backpedaling. You're surprised at how much you didn't like it. Which one is it, Keith? So, the boys to me are written terribly.
0: Well, look, they're, they're supposed to be under ten, and they're and they're trying to make. That make does a not point. make
1: them idiots.
0: But in this universe they have never heard of things like a safety on a gun but how do you know i mean how do you know that because they're, they're trying to just pull a trigger on a gun and they're yeah, just like it doesn't work it's broken
1: I, I, I feel like that is it's like that is a that's a cop-out excuse saying in this universe i don't like this the universe that they live in is supposed to be the universe that we all live in. I'm agreeing with you. They, that that is kind of ridiculous how little they know. All right. How little that they seem to know. So they're supposed to be portraying childhood, you know, adolescence, immaturity, and the opening of them just repeating cuss words to each other is great. I yeah. thought that was was really good. And there is some childhood stuff that they do that that works really well. But when you get to I mean they the problem is they they take it they apply that same they apply this mentality of just like complete innocence to the most extreme and drastic situations and it's like it it it, it goes from saying these kids are naive to just saying these kids are flat out stupid.
0: Okay, I <clears throat> we're jumping way out of order. I just realized we didn't really set up this movie, did we?
1: Yeah, I said it's about two kids that find a cop car, oh, they steal right. it, and it turns out that it's the cop. It's the car of a dirty cop. I think I fell asleep, Bacon. but right. it was only exactly. for like ten the seconds. Is the premise is so boring that you fell asleep? No,
0: it was only ten seconds, so I don't think I missed anything big from what you said.
1: Um, and I'll say this: it's an okay premise. I think it's a really good premise. It's strong an, premise. It's an okay premise that very quickly devolves into every single Dirty Cop story you've ever watched a million times already.
0: So, okay, part of me, I was wondering with the kids, is, is he trying, is the filmmaker trying to reach for some kind of like, you know, parable or kind of a mythologizing of childhood? So these boys become kind of representations of childhood themes, right? Of, of innocence lost and, you know, um, all these kind of broader philosophical ideas of childhood, or is he just trying to tell like a yarn, like a good yarn of kids finding a cop car? I don't know if you take either interpretation. I don't know if the kids work as written. Mm -hmm. I think the
1: kid the kids acting are kids, really strong. The kids acting is fine.
0: Yeah, they, they they pull it off. But for them to there's a scene, and I and I get it. Part of it I think is commenting on, you know, our violent culture and you know what we prize in terms of like guns and violence. And in this in this uh, movie you get a scene where a boy has a bulletproof vest on and another boy's like pointing an assault rifle at him trying to shoot the vest. And part of that is just for that scene. We want to point, we want to have kids pointing guns at each other. But the the film doesn't know how to execute it. It knows how to set it up, but it doesn't know how to convey it in a way that has any sense of style or finesse. Like, Quentin Tarantino can set up a a situation which is like all Inglorious Glorious Bastards is is him being like, watch me set up these scenarios and just masterfully pull them off and like increasing the tension and all that. Right. In cop cards, like have that kid point that gun at that kid. OK, do we get it? Great. Like there's no further kind of idea other than representing it on on screen. I feel like,
1: well, I think you're already giving the movie too much credit. I don't think it's, I don't think, I think this brain, I think this movie has as much brains as any of its characters does, which is basically none. And I, I, the feeling I got from the movie is the only reason there is a scene with a kid pointing an assault rifle at another kid wearing a bulletproof vest or the scene we'll talk about a little bit later where they're in the car and they have a gun is purely to make you the viewer feel tense. I feel like the only reason it's in there is to arbitrarily rack up the tension level of the movie. Yeah,
0: that, I, I mean, don't feel
1: like they're trying to make any point with that whatsoever other than to make you nervous as a viewer.
0: So okay, one one thing that's that's unfair for this movie going into it, I'd heard a few critics talk about the Cohn brothers mm. in relationship to this movie which I think is, like, you, did you want to kill this movie? Like, did you want people to watch it and not really enjoy it because they're expecting a Coen Brothers, mm-hmm. you know, film? Then, yeah, throw Coen, attach Coen Brothers to it. That's why I don't understand, especially for, like, first-time filmmakers or something, people like Kubrick or what It's like those are those are people who are now making films or, or their, their best films were made after decades of work, right? Mm. So then you can't just throw Coen Brothers on this guy And then have me watch it and be expecting something Coen brothers ask, And what I get is something that, again, it feels like, I I tend to agree with you. It feels like it's done there to elevate the tension. But with Tarantino, he's commenting on genre. He is revealing character, right? And he is showing filmmaking in his scenes of tension as he's ramping up. So every cut means something. Or tells you something. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting. But in this one, there's no kind of visual flair other than, here are these boys. And then the characters don't have the depth or the nuance of a Coen Brothers film. And this falls flat in comparison. But, but what could, right? Why? I Love No Country for Old Men. And part mm-hmm. of the reason is because that film is working clearly on two levels, at least. Mm-hmm. One is a serial killer. And the other one is... Violence loosed in our culture. This force has been unleashed, Mm -hmm. right? Since the beginning of time. And we keep
1: bumping up against
0: it. And the meaninglessness of it. And the meaninglessness of it. Despite
1: us trying to tie meaning to it.
0: Exactly. And so every scene of that is a further exploration of not just tension, but that theme. So the coin flip in No Country for Old Men, uh, where Anton Chigurh, decides he's going to let this man's life rest on a coin flip. And the guy slowly begins to understand that something is on the line mm-hmm. in getting this right, this coin flip right. right. That is such a masterful scene because it is operating on two levels at least. And with this one, I tend to agree with you. It's all operating on the one where I got to the end and I was like, wow, was there more depth? And what I came up with was, no, it was a, it was a yarn. It was just like, here's a, here's a great tale, you know, Uh, a fun kind of, um, I was even going to say, it's not meditation, just a fun yarn Mm -hmm. of a film. And that to me was damning because the level had been set kind of higher. So mm-hmm. I think that's one thing I'm parsing through is how much was expectation? Because mm-hmm. I love the Coen brothers. So all I kept thinking, there's a scene where the boys find somebody in the trunk and it's the guy from
1: the preacher from the first season of true detective.
0: Yeah. And I know him, I know him best uh, or better from boardwalk empire. Okay.
1: Um, <clears throat> And he's His in name's the like trunk. Shay Whittingham, or yeah. something like
0: that. He's in the trunk and he pops out and he ends up kind of like you don't know if he's bad or good. And he ends up kind of revealing his true nature, and he ends up kind of spoiler alert if you care, being kind of bad, right? Mm-hmm. And he wants to set up a scenario where he's going to um, kill Kevin Bacon Sheriff when he comes to get the boys
1: mm-hmm. because of some sort of drug deal that's gone
0: bad. right. He's in this you know kind of bathrobe, so obviously he's been you know kid or, or captured from his home and beaten up and there's this scene where he's like running in the tall grass off to the side of the road where the cop car is and he's like getting down in the grass and his bathrobe is getting over his head and he's running over to the other side of the road and he's hiding behind a a telephone pole and the boys are kind of commenting on him as he's, and it just it felt like it needed like
1: Benny Hill music. That's exactly what I was going to say. They should have been playing Yakety Sax while he was running yakety
0: around. Yakety Sax and sped it up.
1: Right. He should have been like... Dun, dun, dun,
0: dun. Right. But
1: but the point is, tonally, the movie is off, right? Like, like that is a almost silent movie level of comedic performance, and yet it's being played completely seriously. The same thing could be said about the children pointing guns at each other. It's just this totally tone deaf... And, again, my problem with that is just that, you know, 5, 10, however many minutes long before, again, I'm not sure because I may or may not have fallen asleep multiple times. The kids are terrified because one of them threw a rock at a cop car. But then, fast forward to later in the movie, they're literally pointing assault rifles at each other. And just as, like, these kids are no longer, like, innocent kids. They're just stupid characters that you're now manipulating for whatever purpose you want.
0: No, they they are. So a little bit about their backstory is revealed as we go along. Um, the kind of more cautious one mm-hmm. lives with his grandmother, and the other one lives with a stepfather and his mother. Mm-hmm. And they seem to come from bad homes. So yeah. they're clearly like not well educated. Sure. So part of me was thinking like, is he trying to make a statement on, you know, the uneducated youth out there who don't know any better, right? right. If you're raised on, you know, television and your imagination, you know, you, and, and that's one thing that I do like is he plays, he shows their, their inner life through their play and they, and they are playing a lot throughout it, it, even in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I thought was good. But again, the tone deafness starts for me when they find the cop car and you're absolutely absolutely. right. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, they are terrified of this car. And then the things that they say about the car are like, have you boys never heard of cops? (laughs) Like, do you not know what they do? Right. You know, and touching the car or whatever, and then running away. Like, and then they, they scatter when they touch you, I think you're
1: saying I was like No, yeah. One runs up one dares the other one to touch it and he says he won't do it and the other one says something like, Fine, I'll do it, but you have to do it too. And then so there's just a scene of one sneaking up touching the car. T- literally touching the gas the gas cap and then running away. And then you get another scene of the other one touching it and running it's just like these like that's what I'm saying. Like, are these like, are we supposed to be watching like alien children right now? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's some kind of like,
0: um, like they're exploring this new, this new world where a car yes. exists and where defibrillators right. are, and they have no idea what anything is, and they have no idea about you know repercussions or any seeming connection ex- except for like you said when they. When the film seems to, you know, for, for them to have, when the film wants them to have some, right? So like, yeah, I'm scared of touching this. We could get arrested. One of them is afraid of like even getting arrested. And then once they get the cop car, they're like, "This is our cop car," right? Like, and there's a joke where they're kind of like, "What if, uh, what if we get pulled over?" And they're like, "We'll just tell more cops." And you're like, "Oh, that's that's a funny line." And then later on, they're like trying to talk on the radio. And one of them legitimately is like, just say you're a cop. And the other one's like, they'll know our voice. He's like, what do you mean? No. We'll say. He, you think for a second, like, I think he's serious. I think mm-hmm. he really does think that his voice can carry the authority of a police officer. <laughs> right. And why would anybody think? Like, I would never, <laughs> if I was six, right. I'd never think exactly. that. So why, when I was eight, nine, or ten, exactly, would I be like, right. no, this is a foolproof play. But, okay, here's one question I wanted to get to you, though. Going back to um, the guy who jumped out of the truck. What if Carl Showalter from Fargo—that's Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. What if he had jumped out of the trunk? So for me, again going back to a Coen Brothers film, Carl Showalter is this guy that walks the line between like humorous and funny yeah. and like terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um and all I'm thinking about is especially Carl Showalter towards the end of the film when he's you know kind of mm-hmm. shot through the cheek and he's like threatening people and his threats are horrifying. Mm-hmm. And this man threatens the boys right. later on. And to me, after the Benny Hill experience running in the tall brush, mm-hmm. I was like, I that didn't land. Yeah. You know?
1: I mean that, but that's that. To me, that performance in this movie is not the exception, it's the rule. Yeah, everyone is performing like that in this movie. Yeah. Kevin Bacon is doing the exact same thing. He's flailing around. He's his running scenes. If if he's not talking, he's going. Uh, 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 uh. Like every five seconds he's grunting or making some kind of weird noise. It just is like. Everyone is at 11 in this movie. The kids may not be, but their stupidity is, right? Like their acting isn't. The kids' acting is good, but their motivations and then, like, like you said, these kids go from being afraid to touch a cop car to stealing it. And taking an assault rifle and shotgun out of it and driving it like that leap does not make sense. You don't that's not that's not like an epiphany you have over the course of 30 minutes of being like, I'm so afraid of touching this cop car because I could be arrested and put in jail. I'm just going to take it. Right. And then the scene where they're they're pointing the guns at the guy in the trunk and they're talking about it's it, they're talking about like, don't tell my grandma on me. Right. It's like one, that dialogue that's their They're, they're seen in that it's one step removed from them being like, and I want some lollipops and baseball cards <laughs> <That> <laughs> yeah. might as well be what they're asking for because it's, it's childish to the point of absurdity. Right. <laughs> like I understand their children, but they're not idiots and they're going to have some sort of situational awareness right if they're holding a guy who's bloodied and zip-tied at gunpoint like they're going to probably not be concerned about their grandmother at that point
0: you know what i mean yeah i i concede that i think i think you're absolutely right this film in terms of tone misses it drastically and it doesn't know i i feel like they had different ideas of the jokes in the film like Kevin Bacon did almost, mm-hmm. you know, it gave me the, this is not even speculation. Cause I'm not saying this is what I think happened, but mm-hmm. this is what it feels like. It feels like this guy had an idea for a film and got in touch. Somebody put him in touch with Kevin Bacon and Kevin Bacon's like, I love it. Mm-hmm. And Kevin's Kevin Bacon's like, I will Brad Pitt you. Mm-hmm. I will be in it so that we can get this made. Right. And the guy was kind of like, no, that's okay. I, you know what? I can, I'll try and find, he's like, no, I got, I got you. Cause right. Kevin Bacon was a producer. Did oh, you see that? He? Yeah. Yeah. And so I kind of, I had that. Yeah, I did see that. I yeah. That. I had that feeling where it's like, Kevin Bacon was like, no, give me this. Right. I can do this. And he, and he can't, he doesn't, he doesn't hit the tone. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there's, like you said, there's flailing, there's five minutes of him running in the beginning of the film mm-hmm. I think I'm just supposed to find it funny. Yeah. I'm the not way sure. that he's, he's like running. running
1: through the woods and he's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it felt like it could have been, it felt like it, it may have been written or developed as like a highly stylized Tarantino esque movie. But then when they executed it, they went more towards like a, Blue Ruin-type meditative movie. You know what I mean? And so you have this weird middle... Because, they're, because all of the scenes are very long and drawn out and played very low-key... Or, or treated very low-key, I Until should they're say, not. by the filmmaker. But then the actors themselves are like flailing about and making weird noises and making weird faces and just making weird decisions in general.
0: Right. Well, you know what I thought was funny? Okay, here's a here's a perfect example. Because uh, I feel like I've been flailing around a bit, trying to yeah. corral my feelings. This, to me, sums up my feeling on the film. So the guy gets out of the trunk... He talks the kids into freeing him. He then decides he's going to ambush Kevin Bacon right. and use the boys as bait. Right. So he sticks them in the car.
1: He locks him in the back. Yeah, he locks them right.
0: in the back. And he then f- runs around before deciding he can't find a good hiding spot. And when he's hiding around, you got the feeling, right? I totally got the feeling this guy has never held a gun before. Maybe like he doesn't understand the yeah. basics of life. The
1: first thing he does is he runs to a roadside ditch and like throws his bathrobe over his head and then starts throwing like tall grass on like, top of himself. Like an old school cameraman. <laughs> right. It's like one of those guys <laughs> using those like powder. Yeah. And then he literally jumps out of that ditch and runs over to a telephone pole and like that's tries, three feet away, right, tries to make himself indistinguishable behind the telephone pole. It just is like he's you know. reverted back to three. Okay, right, exactly. So, so, then,
0: so then here's the issue. Then he gets into the car and he goes down the road a bit, and I think, oh, this is like a man hunting for a good mm-hmm. hideout. That's a smart. That's a smart touch. Mm-hmm. I like that. He finds one. He pulls off. Then he goes behind this like old windmill, and he sets up the perfect blind spot. Mm -hmm. And then he sets up a bottle that he's going to practice to see if he can Mm -hmm. hit it. And he nails it. Mm -hmm. This man's a hunter, (laughs) you realize. He's He's actually an experienced (laughs) hunter (laughs) because he sets the perfect drop spot behind this windmill where you can't see him anymore, Uh and he nails a bottle from like 50 yards. So then I'm thinking, oh... This guy's he's a he's a he's a uh uh sniper. Yeah. And then so now listener reconcile those two realities. That's what this film tries to do. It tries to say, "Hey, here's one thing, here's another thing. Those two things don't fit together. You do it." Yeah. And he does that again and again and again. Right.
1: And uh that scene plays out to what i wanted to talk about next two more things so that scene ends up with them just shooting each other right the um the two bad guys right the what's his name and the trump and trunk kevin guy. bacon shoot each other did the cg in the movie stand out for you at all
0: i didn't really notice it are you talking about the
1: blood so them getting shot is all cg the woman getting shot in the head, head. is cg obviously that stood out to me the listen. gun fire it's the guns firing themselves is it's the okay, robert rodriguez that. school yeah. right where it's like look we're just gonna run through this scene pretend like you're doing something we'll add I'll everything in post. post um and that all stood out to me and looked really bad but i will say it looked really bad because i thought the cinematography was really good mm-hmm. and i thought outside of everything i've just said the the basic setups of the film and look of the film is really good and i i really appreciated like the way it looked and the way it was framed stuff like that there's just everything else about it was kind of crap
0: here's here's a so in our True Detective podcast, we we would sometimes do stray observations. Mm-hmm. I have two, okay? Two stray observations about this film that I wanted your take on. Number one, in films, why is it when somebody's trying to get rid of cocaine? And I can understand if somebody's breaking down the door and you have seconds and you're like cutting it open, shoving it down the toilet. Mm-hmm. There's a scene in here where Kevin Bacon is afraid that he's, gonna get caught so he's dumping the drugs there in his house Mm -hmm. and he is like going at it like a madman i mean he Mm -hmm. is like getting more around his toilet than actually in his (laughs) toilet right and i always wondered like if i was trying to dispose of drugs i think if i had time like he did Mm -hmm. i'd be doing it like a surgeon Mm -hmm. right i'd be like cutting that bag open gently getting it, making sure it's all in there instead of like having it, like it's puffing around Mm -hmm. his bathroom. So what are you, what are you trying to, I don't understand Mm -hmm. your logic in kind of like, if I get half down, that's good. And I don't care if there's piles of cocaine Mm -hmm. all around my bathroom.
1: Right. Does that does that not yeah, make sense? Yeah. Well, it just is. You know, it's the same logic that the rest of the movie is using. It just is. You know, this is a drug scene where he's getting rid of drugs, so he's got to put it down the toilet because that's what all the other drugs.
0: Right. Do. But this isn't. This isn't the only one that does it. Right. There's so no, many yeah, other sure. ones where it's like if somebody's disposing of drugs, it's always like in a mad rush and they're like yeah. stabbing the package. Well, and that's usually because like police everywhere. are at the door uh, or at the door. In right? This
1: movie, Kevin Bacon is literally alone. Nobody is coming after him. He just has to get rid of these drugs. And for some reason, he's, he's locked himself in his bathroom and he's ripping the bags open and it's just flying everywhere. Right. Just like like you said take a pair of scissors or a knife or something and cut it open over your sink and then just wash it all down (laughs) in your sink. Like that's what sinks are for. Right. So I just feel like,
0: you know, why can't people who are trying to get rid of drugs ever calm down? Like, look, I've (laughs) never had to get rid of drugs. I'm sure it's very like anxiety-inducing. Very stressful, yeah. Very stressful. But I think that I would realize, I'd try and take a moment to realize if I calm down I will execute this better than if I randomly flail about in my own bathroom getting cocaine everywhere mm-hmm. so that was number one number two does it so part of me thought when they when the boys find the cop car mm-hmm. and they find a bottle of mostly finished beer sitting on it and they're like hitting the cop car and then they're opening and slamming the doors. And I think they even at that point turn on the siren or hunk a horn or something like that. They definitely start the car, mm-hmm. right? Part of me is thinking, how are they going to explain Kevin Bacon not hearing this? Mm-hmm. Where is he? Right. Then when you realize where he is, he parks his car. He gets a dead body out and he
1: proceeds to drag it
0: mm-hmm.
1: painstakingly. Close to where he's going to, yeah, to apparently like a dead body cellar that he keeps in the woods, right? Like, what right. was that thing?
0: Right, this dead body cellar that he gets rid of his bodies in. And I was just thinking, couldn't he have gotten closer? And the way that he <laughs> was dragging that body, it didn't seem
1: like he was getting very far. Like right. he he did not drag that thing. No, a mile yeah, away. There was a moment during that dragging sequence where I thought to myself, "Is." Is Am I supposed to be, is he supposed to be moving right now or is he just standing still? And I think he was moving, but I still have no idea. It's <laughs> right. shot at such a weird angle and there's nothing really moving. <laughs> but then the next scene, you see him just dragging the body. So I was thinking like, I don't know what that was supposed to be. So yeah, there, there, there's that where I was like, how far did he drag
0: it? Did he really not hear these kids screaming and slamming mm. his door and starting his car? He's kind right. of out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So that was number one, and then also it kind of works out for the tension of the scene. But when he pulls up to get the boys, he again parks like thirty yards away. Mm. And I was like, "Is is this just something that this character does? Right? He never likes to drive himself right to where he's going. Yeah, he always leaves <laughs> at least thirty <laughs> yards to where he he needs to go. And at that point, he doesn't really suspect. I mean." Right. Because he, he just walks up. He it's not like
1: just appreciates the cinematic quality of a long walk.
0: right? Of a, of a he, he is thinking, if I'm in a movie, right. I need to act. In the movie a, of my life that I'm acting in right now. There's a long shot right now. The, the cop car is over there, and I'm going to pull in right in frame right. and stop. and It's going to be a nice cinematic wide shot.
1: So the movie ends with
0: yeah, I really want to talk about the ending.
1: So the movie ends after that shootout between the trunk guy and Kevin Bacon. The kids obviously are trapped in the back of this cop car. They've got no way to get out, so they decide to um, take the gun that's in the back seat.
0: Well, he what, the 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 cautious one had kept right handgun that's right he he hid it
1: and they decide they're going to shoot the windows out makes sense right Mm -hmm. That, that makes sense to me what doesn't make sense is after they again can't figure out how to get the safety off the other kid starts literally hitting the window with the gun right when that doesn't work they start throwing the gun at the window, like, right. like to me, that is the epitome of we're we're literally doing this because we know you as a viewer are going to be nervous about this gun going off and shooting these kids. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's sketch comedy levels of absurd what they're doing. It makes no no child that is not you know and, mentally deficient. Mm is going to throw a loaded gun at a window after beating the window with the gun. Like, that is just absolutely absurd. It is purely for the tension that it creates in a movie. And then, of course, they finally figure out to get the safety off. And and this is what was confusing to me. They shoot the window the first time, and it ricochets off, and nothing happens. But when he shoots it the second time, the window breaks, but somehow the bullet comes back no, and hits it? No, no, no,
0: no. He got hit the first time. But 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 I think it was like shock. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, if you get hit, especially by a ricochet. I guess. I, yeah,
1: I don't, I don't think you're immediately like, it just, you got me, Jim. Well, I mean... <laughs> well, I don't know. I look, mean, look th- I would imagine getting gut shot, you would probably have a pretty immediate reaction to it.
0: No, no th- there are times, like, the times I've most hurt myself, mm-hmm. there is a moment right after where I don't feel a thing. Maybe. Like, I'm like, I think I'm okay. Then you go stand up and your knee bends backwards. And you're like, oh, my goodness, I just totally ruined my knee. No, <laughs> this, is, this is what I want to say about the ending, okay? I think that there's a slightly different take to what you took. Yes, mm-hmm. you took it at face value. Mm -hmm. I haven't read anything. I probably will read a few interviews with the director or listen to a podcast or something. But I think what he might say is, at that moment, he is trying to reach for something. The end, right? So the end of the film reaches for something poetic. It reaches for a Coen Brothers type cliffhanger, you know, ending Mm -hmm. where you should be able to then talk about what does that mean more than just on a plot level. Right? Sure. This is innocence ruined, headed out into a cold, unfeeling world Mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. I don't think, and I think you have a point to say like this film is not operating on that level. And I don't know if the director wants it to. Mm -hmm. I tend to think when I got to that scene that he would have an explanation that would be like, in this scene I wanted to kind of you know comment on the detached nature you know the youth have towards violence that mm-hmm. they don't have any real understanding of the effects of their you know play or whatever it is right to them it's a game mm-hmm. and in reality this thing could kill them you know and he's trying to like make some kind of minor or major point I agree with you I don't I don't think it it works well, but I think that's, to me, I can anticipate him saying something like that. I don't, I'd be surprised if he talks about that scene and says, yeah, I really wanted you to just, you know, be like, oh my goodness, is that gun going to go off? And I thought, hey, what way can I make people think that? Let's have them throw it, right? If that mm-hmm. if that really is his baseline we're all in trouble for the rest of his movies.
1: And there are also also just a quick interruption, multiple scenes where they just turn the gun on themselves and start looking in the barrel. No, exactly. multiple times.
0: Exactly. It's it's goofy. It's goofy. Yeah. So, and and I think and again, look, the Cohen brothers can get goofy too. Again, going back to Fargo, there's that scene of the two Fargoites, those those women who are describing Steve Buscemi and Peter Stormare mm-hmm. and she, you know, um Marge Gunderson is is interviewing them. Do you remember it? And, and yeah. she's trying to get a description. They're like, Yeah,
1: yeah, the funny yeah. looking one, but right? But they're being, they know they're being goofy. That's exactly. my argument is that this guy, this, this, the, the tone of this, these people are not, it's not being played for laughs. It's, it's mm. being played purely for tension.
0: I think, I think this guy is trying,
1: he's trying to do a, a Coen Brothers
0: film. And I think he's reaching for something like that where, the Cohen brothers can be pretty like lowbrow in some of their humor in the midst of you know re- reaching mm-hmm. um, in some of their films but they they pull it off pretty pretty well. This guy has not gotten it yet and I don't think his actors got the memo on what film they were acting in because it does wild it, it varies wildly mm-hmm. um, from scene to scene and sometimes in the same scene. Yeah. So Final question, spoiler alert, very ending, does the boy die? Of course. See, I don't think he does.
1: No way. There's no way that boy lives. He's basically dead by the time the movie ends. He's like sitting in the backseat. He's like... so He's so the, dead. So the final shot of them coming up over a
0: Ridge and seeing... The lights
1: of the city. The lights
0: of the city. That is like a the mist ending, just turning the knife for you a little more. is basically not saying well, it anything. Just is
1: good cinematography. That's all it's saying to me. I think, and here's the other thing: this kid driving doesn't understand that cars have lights. I, I can, can see I that. can understand no 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 I I can see that he doesn't know how to turn them on right he never tries to turn them on he's driving in p- in pitch blackness I've I've driven recently at night sure, with my lights off but you know that your that cars have this this kid is not first of all and you have not his driven, mind is on other things you have not driven in the desert at night okay that's completely different than driving through Virginia Beach at night where there's Street lamps or house lights that are providing at least some light, right? Like when you're in the desert, it is pitch black. So let's compromise in our view of the ending.
0: And let's say it actually ends with him literally driving into the desert, not realizing it. <laughs> and then in the morning, realizing he's, he's lost. Right. Yeah, sure. So we'll, we'll cut the baby okay. on that one.
1: Uh, you also watched a TV show called Catastrophe.
0: It's Amazon, um, right. and it's a six-episode series that takes a romantic comedy plot. And you watch the whole thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's only six episodes, and each episode's is 20 okay.
1: minutes. hmm And it's funny. Um, okay. Who's and it, it directed by? Well, starring? it's starring
0: Rob Delaney from Twitter.
1: Okay. <laughs> That's what I know. I I'm from. never knew like one sentence could make me more uninterested than that. <laughs>
0: he he's a comedian, but he's more Twitter famous than right, anything. Yeah, that's yeah what he's one say. of the first He's
1: the comedian that was not a comedian until like I don't know Twitter chicken
0: or the egg with him. Right. Like what came first, comedian or Twitter. But this is his show. Mm-hmm. And basically he plays an American who goes to London, hooks up with this lady. He goes back to America and she's pregnant and he decides, screw it. He's moving out and they're going to make this work. Mm -hmm. And it takes your basic kind of romantic comedy plot and, you know, they're like, they're filthy and it puts in just like a filthy kind of, um, hard R rated comedy Mm -hmm package and i think you know if that if that's all it was i wouldn't recommend it Mm -hmm. but the characters are actually they they pull off they you know they pull them off so Mm -hmm. him and the in the lady um i can't remember her name but she's really good she's really good in it actually Mm um what i will say is rob delaney he he's good Mm -hmm you can tell that he's not like his first love is in acting. Right. And the scenes that I want to point to, if anyone else has seen catastrophe, they can confirm or deny this. Mm -hmm. The scenes I want to point to that show the seams of his acting are anytime the camera captures his full body. So when he's doing one to one kind of like cross cutting talking scenes, he's fine. Mm -hmm. When he's walking, and the camera pulls back to show his whole body. It's it's like the scene in Talladega Nights where Will Farrell doesn't know what to do with his hands. He's being interviewed <laughs> and they just slowly start creeping into right. frame. He's just like, I, I don't know what to do with my hands. Right. He like he's like walking like a robot. Um, like it's so weird. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like the way that he's walking and holding his body, it's just like, you don't walk like that. Like I don't mm. know what you're trying to like, <laughs> are you just trying to get loose for the scene or whatever? And uh, he just has this these awkward body language. This awkward body language whenever you can see more than just like from his nipples up. Mm-hmm. Like anything beyond that, you you just it's like this self awareness kicks in, and you can see him being self aware mm-hmm. of like it's almost like somebody that you see in a dance routine who's counting. You can see their lips like one. and they're trying like you can almost see his body doing that like Uh oh my goodness these actresses are walking at this pace i need to make sure that i am right like right behind them so they can get this shot so anytime that you see him full body let me know if it's like to me you're like oh there's the actor um but in executing his lines Mm -hmm. he's he does well and um I, I can't I can't say that it totally executes on tone same way that cop car kind of is a mm-hmm. little iffy at parts but for what it is every episode had at least one kind of laugh out loud moment mm-hmm. and it's definitely given me things where I've started using like catchphrases at work and of course nobody knows what I'm talking <laughs> about which <laughs> makes it even better right um, so yeah for that in terms of a six episode series there's far less commitments or far greater commitments that have less payoff than, you know, really funny, raunchy, uh, six episode, um, comedy about two middle-aged people. Um, and, and, and they, and they, they do interesting things with, with, um, the genre, like things happen in romantic comedies. You're like, Oh, that's where they're going, and they don't go there. Mm-hmm. Like They subvert it. So, mm-hmm. If you like romantic comedies, definitely. I'd, I'd recommend Catastrophe.
1: Okay. Do you um, like romantic comedies, Justin? I don't. Am I- I'll I'm let my wife know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, something that I wanted to talk to you about that came up this past weekend, that to me has... It's been... All over, you know, sports radio, sort of stuff like that. So I figured there would be a lot of discussion around it on Facebook. But when I asked my wife about it tonight, she had never heard of it yet. But the um, James Harrison participation trophy stuff, have you seen? Do you even know what that is? No. You don't? So it hasn't been on your Facebook at all? No, not on my Facebook. So James Harrison, the linebacker for the Steelers, Mm posted a thing on Facebook or Instagram that was just, like, is a picture of something. Maybe it was the participation trophies themselves, but it just was basically, like, my sons won these two participation trophies even though they didn't win, and I made them give them back because they didn't win or something like that. And it's turned into this, like, real, like, firebrand for, like, you know, a lot of these, I guess, people who just (laughs) feel like participation trophies are the most evil thing in the world. So James Harrison believes he didn't really participate unless you win. No, 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 right. You don't get a trophy unless you win. Participation, even doing your best, merits no reward. You have to win. You have to come in first to get the reward or the trophy or whatever. Okay. So I was wondering how you felt about that
0: are the participation trophies smaller than the i have no winners trophy? i mean
1: i mean there he made the distinction when, uh, the distinction of saying they were participation trophies not the first place trophy
0: mm. um i don't have a problem with re- look in the nfl right do they give out awards for people who don't win the championship right yes yeah. The right? the
1: losers of the Super Bowl get Super Bowl rings. Yes, they're just not championship rings. They're not championship rings. They, yeah. they they get rings. You have an
0: MVP. Yeah, of the season who could be on the most losingest team, but they just had a great season, right? Yeah, and then you have a Pro Bowl, where it's like, hey, great work today. Right.
1: Or or they, here's you know, they, all they, they the season. great players that did not make it to the Super Bowl.
0: Yes. So I mean. What yeah, what what's he what's there are other it, ways of it, record like yeah and and look, they don't get a first place trophy, mm-hmm. they get a participation trophy. Right, exactly. Which to me, just calling that makes it like, yeah, I'm not too proud of that either. Right. You know? Yeah.
1: That's exact and that's exactly how I felt about it I was like it's the same thing with cop car. Kids aren't stupid. Like <laughs> yeah. you're not going to give a kid a participation trophy and that kid's gonna be like, Hey, I got first place. Like, they know that that is a crappy award to (laughs) get, right? They understand that it's just... And not only that, like, not every... Like, 99% of the kids playing these sports aren't going to the NFL. Right. And some of them probably don't even want to. They just like playing football. Right. So it's like, our participation trophy is all they're looking for. (laughs) You know what I mean? I showed up. Who does it hurt to give them that? (laughs) It just seems so weird. Go go back
0: to... You know, I I wouldn't mind staying in the NFL, but if you go back to college, right? Like, you make a whatever a coach determines a good play is, they give you a sticker on your helmet. Yeah, <laughs> what'd you do? Uh, right? Yeah, I think exactly. I tackled some guy. Right. Like, so you know, you have these kind of rewards that go all the way back to Letterman jackets. Right? Yeah. I played one game and look, I got this uh, on my jacket. Yeah. Um, but you know, the other thing I want to say to James Harrison is. Just stick in your league, buddy, right? If I'm on the bench, I'm a millionaire after just a few exactly. seasons. So what? what is he saying? Like the bench players should give their money back? Right. Because,
1: they, hey, you're not participating. That doesn't win the Super Bowl should not be paid. Like that's right. basically a participation trophy. Yeah.
0: Or, or like, you know, if he's, if he's this man of standard, then pay yourself what you're worth, right? Right. Have that hard yeah. discussion. What What are you as an athlete worth? Are you worth the millions and millions of dollars for running on a field and tackling people? You know, is that worth millions of dollars? I don't know that it is. So maybe you should give some of that back. Yeah. Maybe you should say, you know what, for what I do, that's probably, you know, thirty dollars an hour work. <laughs> <laughs> so I will just take $30 an hour. Thank right. you.
1: Yeah. And That's bogus. Yeah. I get, I get a lot of this because I listen to Mike and Mike in the morning when I go to oh, work. why do you do that? Because I've got like a five-minute drive to work, and I don't feel like getting involved in a podcast for five minutes. But I also don't want to sit in my car in silence for five That's- minutes. That's... And I don't want to like put a song on for five First minutes. First off. I've got to have something on. Anything is better than Mike and Mike. You listen to <laughs> so Mike and I listen and to Mike, Mike and Mike for like five minutes when I'm driving oh, to work. Gosh. And so they're always talking about it. But here's the other thing that, that really drove me nuts about it is all of these guys, James Harrison, and there was a guy on Mike and Mike making the same, literally the same argument. They're the same guys who then turn around and say that video games are making kids not want to uh, finish what they start because in a video game if you start to lose you can just reset it and start over right so when you get a kid playing basketball and he realizes he's not going to be the next lebron james he just gives up and goes on to something else Mm. right but it's like well what do you want do you want like a kid to just grind his put his nose to the grindstone until he's you know, 21 and graduated from college and realized, Hey, I'm not going to be in the NFL cause I'm not that good. Or do you want to like encourage kids to keep playing by giving them like participation trophies instead of saying like, Hey, look, like we're in a 10 game little league season. We've lost our first nine games and it's like 20 to nothing in the 10th game. Why don't we just walk off the field? Right? No, like <laughs> they're going to play until the end. Recognize them sticking around to the end of a terrible season right. by just saying like, hey, thanks for participating. I don't see anything wrong with that. Right. So I was just wondering if that had crossed your way.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean up to that I, point. Man, I
1: figured it would be a good uh Facebook fire brand. I'm surprised I mean I'm sure it is in some circles. Right. Oh, maybe in Mike
0: and Mike, it's a, <laughs> it's a firebrand issue. I'm sure there are plenty of people oh,
1: gosh. who have heard of it besides you and my wife who are listening to this. There has to be because I've heard I've heard it nonstop ever since it happened. Well, we know why. Maybe it's also I mean, it's been all over SB Nation, stuff like that. All right, so let's talk about recommendations. I recommended Daywave to you. Did you listen?
0: I listened to it multiple times.
1: It's good, right?
0: It is really good. It it's one of those things that made me feel like is as Daywave tapped into my platonic <laughs> ideal of like music, <laughs> right? That that I, that I like um, So no, I I I loved it. How did you come across How do you Beats come radio. across Beats Radio? Yeah. Just the commercial? No, said, so or- the
1: music the music app on the iPhone was relaunched. You have an iPhone. Yeah. So you just don't pay attention to these. Things. Nope, I pay attention to them. I have no idea what what we're talking so about. So they right relaunched now. the music app. Look at your music app on your phone. Is that How did you listen to Daywave? Um, I went to the SoundCloud. Okay. So they relaunched the music app on the iPhone. It's just called Apple Music now, right? And it's a subscription service. It's no different than Spotify, all that. The first right. three months are free. After that, it's going to be $9.99 a month. Same thing as Spotify. But it's, you just get the iTunes library, right? It's like for $10 a month, you can listen to literally every single song on iTunes. So for me, even though I know that that's not the most uh, productive option for the artists, mm. that's how I'm going to listen to music from now on. And then, you know, when you have artists like Mac DeMarco or Sheermag or whoever else, artists that I really, really like, I will make sure to buy their from, records from or their whatever website. else I can buy, right? Support them in that way. But that's what I've been using. And so when they they just launched Apple Music maybe a few months ago now, and when they did it, they launched what they're calling the first ever international radio station, which is Beats Radio, right? Because they bought Beats headphones. Did you Did you hear? I just read a quick article that said Beats headphones,
0: people are now suspecting have... Just random pieces of metal in them oh, really? to make them feel heavier, oh, really? so people think that they're, or they're better supposedly quality. pretty
1: terrible headphones. No, everyone pretty yeah. much
0: agrees. But yeah, people are now saying that they will put <laughs> random pieces of metal in there just to make them feel right, heftier. To right. be like, oh wow, that that that's a good. So sorry, go on.
1: Um So yeah, so they relaunched it, and so the the whole point of it was. They're getting that guy from the BBC. I think his name is Zane Lowe to be one of the DJs. Okay. Who I guess is recognized as like one of the greatest radio DJs. Whatever. I don't know. But on the day that it launched, I thought, let me check out this Beats Radio thing. And when I opened it up, the very first thing they were playing was... Not the very first thing they were playing. When I opened it, what they were playing was Day Wave. And I was like, "Wow, this is really good, and what not at all." What song did you listen to for the? Um, which one was that? Shoot, it's one of the. It's like the second to last song. Okay, but it's like the. It's a single, right? It, right. It's very obviously a single, right? Um, and so that's how I heard it. But I will say it's it's kind of surprising, and I've I've checked into Beats Radio, uh, very occasionally after that. And it's strange how it does kind of give you the feeling of listening to a radio station,
0: hmm.
1: like a worldwide radio station, even though you're literally just listening to a song from iTunes. I mean, there are DJs, but it. I, and I don't know if that's just all in my mind or what. But there is a somewhat of a feeling when opening up that I'm feeling like, wow, I'm listening to this with potentially millions of other people listening to it right now. Which I guess is not something I usually think about when I'm listening to music.
0: Hmm. Interesting. All right, maybe I'll maybe I'll get in on that. Support Apple. Yeah. No yeah. They really You're need... supporting Apple, yeah. Because they really mean <laughs> supporting my... any musical artist. You're <laughs> right. supporting
1: Apple. Uh but you know you could always go with title. Title? Do you know what title is? Yeah that's Jay Z's. Okay. Title's whole thing is that they're for the artists, right? They give the yeah, artists but more money.
0: But, but I thought that was kind of like disproven. I have no
1: idea. I mean, don't, don't show me a commercial of 20 mega millionaires <laughs> sitting around saying listen, like we need more money, listen, right?
0: I make music right. because I love my music. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like if you're going to tell me that your music service is... Helps out artists monetarily better than the other ones. Show me artists that need it (laughs) exactly. Show me the artists that need that help. Don't show me the artist who also owns his own clothing line and is rapping out about flying to Europe constantly and looking at all these like super expensive paintings or whatever. Like I don't give a crap about how much about whether or not Jay Z needs more money for his songs. You know what I mean? It just is, it's so, anyways, so what is your uh, recommendation?
0: All right, so we we may, you may need to edit this out because I want to have a quick conversation with you on what the purpose of our recommendations are. Okay. So recommendations, are we recommending something that we
1: are hoping the other person will like and enjoy? No, not necessarily. Okay, so this can be, I would say, anything that you think would lead to an interesting conversation. Okay. <laughs> I have a decision to make. I recommended uh yeah. Wes Walker, Wes yeah. Walker to you.
0: Yeah, yeah, but but this this seems this seems kind of like mean. Okay. One of my I can go two ways. There's one that I'm more interested in, but then there's the dark one that just keeps nagging at me where mm-hmm. I just I'm so kind of like it's, it's uh, I'm trying to think of a good, it's not even like a car crash. Mm-hmm. It's like a bad smell. <laughs> it's like a smell that you know is bad, but you you realize you're like, oh, I want to smell it mm-hmm. still. And you just find yourself being drawn towards and you smell it and you're like, okay, that's terrible. Why sure. did I do that? <laughs> the Cobbler uh-huh. is that smell. Uh,
1: okay, did you watch The Cobbler? No. Okay.
0: <laughs> I have heard, I mean... What has
1: intrigued me is how racist people say it is, uh-huh. tone deaf, and that's not the movie that the Native Americans walked off of. No, right? Okay, no, which is
0: one reason why I'm interested because this, this seems like this is going to open up the next segment of Adam Sandler's career mm-hmm. is or movies like The Cobbler, mm-hmm. where and it's by Tom McCarthy. The direct, I love that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, every, almost every film that he's made before this, especially Win Win. With Paul Giamatti mm-hmm. is really good, really good. Um, and then he makes the cobbler with Adam Sandler, where he becomes Method Man because he oh, wears yeah. Method Man comes shoes. to get his shoes <laughs> like stitched up, uh-huh. and he realizes what it's like to walk in the feet of men and women, sure. and black and white, and all this stuff. And then somebody said the ending is. Un, like, you cannot believe where it goes in the ending. Yeah. And so that made me like, well, I got to smell that smell now, mm-hmm. you know? The alternative is a John Oliver playlist that mm-hmm. of different segments that I've watched of his mm-hmm. that I wanted to make you watch. I wanted to talk about not only the issues they chooses to talk about, mm-hmm. but how he talks about them. Because I think it's interesting that he has this methodology. You can see what he's doing. And it's interesting what he's doing with the format, right? Like mm-hmm. he is the righteous voice right. of, you know, kind of comedic news. Mm-hmm. And he has this rhythm and patter and all of his videos are like 20 minutes. long. Like yeah. he goes for it on these things. It's yeah. not like John Stewart. Where it's like 10 seconds, mm-hmm. 10 seconds, whatever. And I just find it interesting, and then what he chooses to go after I find really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I want to know who, who kind of sets up his targets, mm-hmm. you know? Having talked it through, I'm not going to give you a choice. Okay. I'm going to go with the cobbler.
1: Sure, yeah. I was going to say the cobbler. I think there's enough John Oliver talk in the landscape. I would rather talk about the cobbler. But I, I do like John Oliver the John Oliver stuff I watch. Yeah, I just I just don't watch it. I don't watch a show ever. Yeah,
0: I watched clips, but the last few clips that have caught my eye, I I like his I like his approach, and I, it's it's just interesting. It's interesting yeah. what he's doing.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, you've been listening to everything is interesting. I am Justin Blizzard. I've been here with Keith Krepko. Uh, everything we talk about in the show you can find in our show notes, timestamps. For the couple of things we talked about will be in the show notes and uh, next week's show will be a fall movie preview so like our summer movie preview we're doing one for, for the fall there's a lot more movies so I think for that episode we'll just do the fall movie preview and we'll even save the cobbler for two weeks from now we may need two weeks yeah. to get <laughs> just a little bit of time to build up my uh, gusto to watch that one um but uh in the show notes i will provide a link to a youtube playlist that i've created for all of the trailers of all the movies we'll be talking about in the fall wow. movie preview um of this show yes of this show because
0: i have some independent films i sure, didn't get well to then then add
1: them to the list before we record next week and I'll okay. put them on the playlist. You got it. And uh, that, like I said, that'll be in the show notes. If it doesn't show up in your show notes, go to eipodcast.com, and it'll be on there, which is after being shut down for the weekend, back up and running, <laughs> because apparently my bill was due before like I thought it was, and for some reason they didn't just like auto-renew it. They just decided to turn the website off have no idea why. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's up and running. They don't want your business. Right. (laughs) Apparently, like, look, we know what you have to offer. We're not (laughs) interested.
0: (laughs) Your web page isn't on brand. Okay.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, EIPodcast.com. Go there. The The playlist will be there. Everything you need to know about that episode will be on there. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Blizzard with nine Zs. At things come right. And uh, that's that, right? Yeah. See you next week.